and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one fantastic page of Talmud a day. And in today's page, Eruvin 37, we read about a strange, profound concept, retroactive designation. And I read, once said, I am hereby establishing an Eruv for the Shabbatot of the entire year, so that if I want to make use of it, I will be able to walk 2,000 cubits from the Eruv, and if I do not want to do so, I will not walk. If he wanted to make use of the Eruv for a particular Shabbat while it was still day, his Eruv is a valid Eruv for that Shabbat. However, if he only decided after nightfall that he wanted the Eruv to be in effect, the Tanaim disagree. Rabbi Shimon says his Eruv is a valid Eruv, and the Rabbis say his Eruv is not a valid Eruv. This indicates that according to the Rabbis, there is no retroactive designation, even with regard to Eruvin. In other words, the Rabbis tell us in today's page, you're not allowed to just wait for the fancy to strike you and then say, oh, yeah, yeah, that thing over there, that's totally the Eruv that I intended to have so I may walk around on Shabbat. And this notion of retroactive designation strikes me as so central, not only to so much of human life, because so frequently we just say, oh, no, 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 that's totally what I meant to do, but also particularly central to art and particularly to one genre of art, to science fiction and fantasy, where things are retroactively designated all the time. And so it gives me immense pleasure to welcome my rabbi in such and other matters, film critic for The Guardian and every other publication that counts, the great Jordan Hoffman. Hello, rabbi. Hello, hello. It's nice to be back with you. How are you? I am doing reasonably well under the circumstances. I am very excited for the second season of The Mandalorian upon us soon. I'm excited for Dune upon us a little bit further down the line. But I want to talk to you about this notion of retroactive designation. It seems to me that literally every science fiction film franchise and TV franchise that you and I adore and spend way too much time contemplating kind of depends uh, for its very existence on this notion, right? A hundred percent. I mean, it's, they call it retconning. And, you know, it's a narrative necessity if you're building out big science fiction worlds that are created by multiple authors. So all of the greats, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, you know, all these things have a number of different retcons where they go back and basically say, oh, well, we didn't really mean that. And, you know, some of them are within the text and they find a way to do it. And some of them are famous from being um, behind the scenes. Now, of course, part of the reason why certain people love big sci-fi mythos is that, you know, you can really pretend that it's real, you know, that the canon is real. And oftentimes they do come from one specific author. You know, J.R.R. Tolkien sat down and wrote all the words to all of those gigantic Lord of the Rings books. So he is the canonical author with other big texts, even perhaps religious texts. You know, we know they come from multiple authors trying to come up with a common story. Probably the most famous sort of retcon behind the scenes that I think of is the situation with Darth Vader being Luke's father. And when George Lucas created the first Star Wars, he hadn't had that idea yet. And there's ample evidence to prove that that's not the case. They've tried to fudge this over the years. He wrote Star Wars. He made Star Wars. It's a great movie. It made a lot of money. And he said, oh, good, I can make a sequel. (laughs) He had an idea that, yes, he'd love for it to be his gigantic Lord of the Rings with multiple sequels over the years. But when he was making the second one, The Empire Strikes Back, 
even in that first draft of that screenplay, which was written by a woman named Lee Brackett, Darth Vader is not Luke Skywalker's father yet. It came in in additional drafts before they went to shooting. And then there's the big revelation at the end. And then people said, you know, gee whiz, you know, there is some evidence to show that in the first movie, that wasn't the case. And in the third movie, uh, Luke Skywalker speaks to the force ghost of his rabbi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and says, you told me that Darth Vader killed my father. And then Obi-Wan says, um, <laughs> well, uh, 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 your father, Anakin Skywalker, I don't know. Luke says, you told me that my father, Anakin Skywalker, was betrayed and murdered by Darth Vader. And he said, and Obi-Wan says, yes, the dark side of evil and temptation and all this mishigas overpowered Anakin. And then he became Darth Vader. So in a sense, (laughs) Darth Vader did kill your father, if you look at it from a certain point of view. He says, Luke, are you familiar with the concept of a metaphor? Right. And he goes, if you look at it from a certain point of view, and even Luke Sauer goes, a certain point of view, it's like, get, get out of here. So it's, it's, um, that is a great example of retconning. It's probably the, the best one there is, because it's so much better that Darth Vader is his father. And in fact, it leads to everything that's happened in the, the prequel series and the sequel series. Uh, it's, it's a central thing. I mean, you know, it's funny. Um, if you look at the six, forget the three newish ones, if you look at the, the sort of the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and look at it as a whole, it's Anakin Skywalker's story. It's not Luke, who we thought was the hero in the first one. Anyway, right. so that's a classic example of retconning. And now you're coming and reading from the Talmud saying that this is not kosher. And I agree. I mean, there are no backseas in life. You know, there's a funny thing. You and I both work in journalism. And if somebody gives you a great quote and then says, oh, that was off the record, by the way, you're in a pickle because you don't want to burn a source and piss a guy off, but you can't say it's off the record after you give us the good quote. It's kind of not how it works. And that's sort of what George Lucas did in, uh, in, in Star Wars. But it sounds to me, you know, that, that you, uh, and I'm beginning to suspect listening to you, that I too am, am more on the side of, of Rabbi Shimon. In other words, saying, well, yeah, I understand, fellow dear rabbis, why you would think uh, that there is something kind of intellectually, emotionally, spiritually dishonest about, you know, not really intending to do something, and then some need arises, and then you say, oh, no, 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 I totally intended to do it. It's a bit silly, but on the other hand, uh, especially as, as I think you so poignantly said, in the messy business of life, which like a great sci-fi saga has so many authors, there should be a dispensation for some time to say, you know what? How about instead, Luke, I am your worst enemy. How about we try, Luke, I am your father? Shouldn't, shouldn't that be the case? Shouldn't we be a little bit more relaxed about it? I think it's, you know, if, if people are looking to this podcast for more clarity in their day-to-day lives, they should take it on a case-by-case basis. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that... Where else would they go, Jordan? What else is there left? <laughs> if you want to get overly dogmatic about it, if you don't allow some elasticity in your in your d- handling of every day, you're, you're going to hit a brick wall. But there are cases where it can be annoying. I want to give a second case from sci-fi, which is very recent. And, um, you know, you mentioned The Mandalorian, which I, too, was thrilled about. I love that show. Um, there is a show that's currently running, which does not have as many ratings or fans, but believe it or not, there is a new Star Trek show out currently called Star Trek Discovery. And it's good. It's not great, but it's good. And Star Trek Discovery is set 
in the same era, or actually a few years before the classic Star Trek era of the 1960s show with Kirk, Spock, and Bones. And what you discover in Star Trek Discovery is that the main character, um, a woman by the name of Michael Burnham, played by that very talented actress, Sonequa Martin-Green, is in fact Spock's stepsister. And Spock has been a character in popular culture now for 54 years, and we know everything about Spock. Those of us who are Star Trek nerds can tell you Spock's blood type. I mean, we know so much about Spock, but until Discovery launched, a sister? Us? (laughs) You know? What are you talking about? Now, the producers of Star Trek retconned this in very subtle ways. Spock is famously tight-lipped. He only gives you information that you have to know just because he never mentioned a sister <laughs> that he had adventures with because we watched him now on Discovery. So of course he wouldn't talk about her. He's emotionally withholding. Exactly, exactly. So it's kind of like, yeah, I guess, but give me a break. This is producers saying, wouldn't it be cool if Spock had a sister? So, uh, you know, you can get up in arms about it, and certainly some Star Trek fans who are very literally minded, because Star Trek, science fiction in general, and and Star Trek in particular, tends to um, really be a magnet for very detail-oriented people. They kind of lost their minds about this idea of a Spock sister, but I, I recognize that. But also, if you just go with the flow... You know, fine. <laughs> but yeah, those are some two very big retcon examples. And uh, you're telling me that this is not the side of righteousness, or be it for me to argue with the Talmud, but I would say uh, put an asterisk there, put a footnote and say, you know, only in cases where it's very important, like, say, lying about, uh, you know, medical issues or something, should you uh, get too stressed out about this particular rule. I am saying that what the Talmud encourages us to do today, as ever, is to continue and debate these important topics that, that light and inform our lives. Rabbi Jordan Hoffman, thank you so much for this delightful conversation. It's always a pleasure to speak with you, sir. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes, Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.